grew up in the Advent tradition. Who's aware why these candles are on fire right now in front of me? <laughs> okay. All right, cool. I didn't grow up in the Advent tradition. I've gotten used to it here at Ethos. We celebrate it here. Um, but I'm just going to give you a brief backdrop. I'm not even going to really give you the big picture of Advent, but I'm just going to give you a little bit. So um, Advent is a Christian tradition. A lot of churches celebrate it. Um, it comes from a Latin word, Adventus. The Greek word is parousia. That won't matter. But anyway, um, but that word just means arrival. It means the coming, the arrival of. And what Advent celebrates in the Christian tradition is two different comings, one that's already happened and, and one that will happen. So Advent is always marked by celebration and anticipation, all right? So we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. So Advent celebrates that Scripture promised the Messiah would come, that God would send his son, and that he did, in fact, already do that, and that was Jesus, lived perfect life, right, born of a virgin. This is what all the nativity scenes are about, the wise men handing over gifts, all right? So Jesus was born, lived a perfect life, died, resurrected. But it doesn't stop there. <coughs> okay, hold on. I get really choked up at the second part of Advent. Y'all pray for my throat today. I'm okay. <coughs> um, and you're okay. You're safe too. Uh, all right. Um, but it isn't just celebration, it's anticipation. When Jesus left, he promised he would come back again. And so Advent is sort of this in-between where we're celebrating what God has done, the promises he has fulfilled, while also hoping for and anticipating the promises he has yet to fulfill, but he will. In the same way that Jesus came the first time, Advent goes, man, we're excited because he's gonna come back again. And so last week we focused on the word hope, this week is the word peace, next week will be the word joy, and then the week after the word love. And with all these, we look back and go, man, here's the hope fulfilled, here's the joy fulfilled, the peace fulfilled then. And then we look to what will come. And then we kind of wrestle with how we navigate being people of God in the middle of the two comings of Jesus. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, it will. Just keep coming back. All right. So today the word is peace. And as I was thinking about the word peace and just kind of the stereotypical word that it is in Christmas time, you know, peace on earth. You see them like in the little nativity scenes in people's front yards if people are festive enough. But I was thinking about peace in my own life. And yeah, I was thinking about peace in my own life. And I thought back to this time where I was going to counseling. Um, I had some anxiety going on. You know, I was, in, I was in Nashville. I was a few years in. So you know what happens whenever you like move away from home? It kind of helps you see your family differently, right? One, as you get older, that helps too. As you become an adult, you start to see your family. Like, oh, you guys are like just adults like me. And let me assess you in a completely different way now. Um, but also just as you get distance from family, you start being able to process what you experience differently. And anyway, a lot comes with that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, sorry that this story is not gonna connect with you. But as I was thinking about my family and stuff, and I was talking to my counselor and like, man, I just, here's some things that I have about my family. Here's some thoughts I have. Here's some trouble I'm seeing. And it was nothing, I guess, too crazy, but it just kind of rattled me. It made me anxious. And the counselor was talking to me going, he said something, I think he said, I don't remember how this story went, but he said something like, hey, do you think you feel like you need to control how your family is? Like, do you think since you go in there and it, seems, it sounds like you expect them all to behave a certain way so that everyone will get along and it sounds like whenever they fail, your own expectations that you put on them, it rattles you, makes you anxious. Like you seeing trouble around you makes you feel trouble on the inside, but really is it just because of your own need to control the situation? And I was like, well, <laughs> that cannot be it. <laughs> 
you had a degree, you said, you know, it was like, okay, you're a joke. No, but it was this big moment for me where I realized like, oh shoot, like this is very nuanced because as family is, but on some level, my desire to control the family around me was kind of keeping me in my own, my own like self-made prison of anxiousness. I'd go into the holiday season like the one we're in going, I hope it goes this way. And if it didn't go this way, I was rattled. Does anyone like go into the holidays going, I'm gonna be at peace with my family. I'm gonna be at peace with my family. Peace to the world, love from Jesus to my family. Five minutes in, mom, stop. Like, ah, Lee, be different. Be anything else and other than what you are, right? Oh shoot, I'm yelling already. What's happening? Stop yelling, I can't help it. You know, does that happen to anybody else? I feel like I had this big epiphany where it was like, oh, a part of this is a me issue. Like a part of this is me needing to control how this is gonna go. I'm bringing in all these expectations. And I felt like it was with my counselor in this kind of moment where I had this light bulb that went, oh, trouble around me doesn't always have to equal trouble within me. It doesn't always have to go that way. I kind of had to have a relationship like a DTR with trouble itself. Like when there's trouble around me, it doesn't always have to equal trouble within me. And I realized control was kind of at the root of that issue. My need for control was sort of robbing me of peace. I don't know if you know this, but that can happen when you need things to go a certain way. And I, I started looking up cheesy Google images about um, control, so control quotes. Here's a quote I found that I thought was nice. This is by Thomas Monson. He said, we can't direct the wind. Does anyone know? But we can control our sails. Any sailors? Me neither. We'll have to figure this out together. <laughs> but I think basically what it's saying is, man, we can't make the wind blow or choose what direction it comes from, but we can adjust our lives. Like when the storms of life come, we can adjust how we respond, right? We can't control the circumstances, but we can on some level control how we respond. And I think it's important because I think all of us, we might accidentally walk around believing some lies, whether it's like, on purpose or subversively, but we might kind of have this, this thought process that says something like, man, if, if blank will happen, I will have more peace, right? If this thing will happen, if I'll meet this person, if I'll get this blank, I will have peace or I'll be closer to peace. Like once we move into the new house, once we break up, once we get together, <laughs> Once my savings account hits this number, for some of us, that's just $50. If I can just get $50 right there, bam. Once we have a kid, once I leave the job, once I move out of this dump, whatever it is, we can accidentally or maybe even on purpose tether our peace to our circumstances. If I get this, I'll have that. And here's what's even trickier is that's kind of can be true sometimes. I've talked to people that, Moved into the new house, like, you know what? This nice, got more square footage, feel like I can breathe a little easier. And you know what, they, they seem happier. It's like, well, maybe, maybe the bigger house helped. I don't know. I don't wanna act like getting the better job won't make you breathe easy, right? Maybe it'll bring peace. The only issue with like permanently going, this is where my peace comes from, my circumstances, is that we can't control it, right? You've probably heard this in like 700 sermons before this. I'm not blowing your mind right now. But we can't control outcomes, we have like short spurts where it feels like I kind of can. I can kind of forecast the weather. I kind of know what Monday's gonna look like. And guess what? I had a Monday and it kind of looked like it. But at some point, the house market crashes in 08. 
you know, if we want to go like big grand scale or something happens in 2020, anything, anyone recall what came about? And you're like, I've got 10 things. What are you referencing? The joke could work for several different examples, right? It's like, that's kind of how it goes. And all it takes is something like that to happen to go, oh, you know what? I didn't know how my wedding was going to go. Or I didn't know how the birth of my first child was gonna go. Or I didn't know how relocating to this new job in this booming city was gonna go because it all got canceled, right? It doesn't take a whole much. And so I think that the piece we're talking about in the Christmas season, if it's not altogether different, it's at least a deeper sense. The peace of the Christmas season, the peace of Advent, the peace of God is deeper than one that is tied to circumstances. So that's what we're gonna explore is peace according to Jesus. And let me just say this coming into this. I feel so inadequate. I was walking up to the Ruby today, like, God, I'm still asking, how do I step into this peace? And I'm about to like, preach about it in front of everybody, you know? Like, that's about to happen. So as we talk through this, I believe this piece that we're about to talk about is fully available to you, um, but it's coming from a man with a humble heart that's on the journey with you to, to say yes to the invitation to the peace of Jesus. So if you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 14. We're gonna read specifically on uh, verses 25 through 27. So John chapter 14. And if you don't have a Bible, just so you know, I reference these. Hopefully the mic doesn't. These Bibles on the communion tables um, are free and for you. Uh, so if you want one of these to take home, take home with you, do it, please. If you ever come without a Bible and you don't need one, you can still borrow this one for the day, but it's helpful to have a Bible in your hand. So there you go. If you ever want one, grab one right now, later, tomorrow, whatever. Not tomorrow. All right, so we're gonna read John 14, but let me give you some context. It's really important, all right? So Jesus is with his disciples and he's at is what's called the Last Supper, okay? It's called the Last Supper because it was Jesus and his disciples' Last Supper before he dies, all right? So it's just a pretty literal name we give it and not very creative, but Jesus is sitting with his best friends, his followers. If you were with us during our summer study of Luke, you know the rabbi-discipleship relationship three years of every day walking together, these people are very close. So if you're very close with your family or if you're very close with a group of friends, picture yourself at dinner with those people. That's what's happening. That's the scene we're in, all right? And Jesus is gonna start talking uh, about some really important things because Jesus knows the hour that has come. He knows in a few hours he'll be arrested, he'll be tried, he'll be murdered, Okay? So he's gonna start talking about some really important things. The disciples kind of understand what's going on. Not really, but like kind of. Because Jesus has told them he's gonna die multiple times. He's prepared them. But the disciples don't really understand how serious and literal Jesus is being at times. And so as they're listening to Jesus say some really important things, you'll even hear Jesus say, the Holy Spirit's gonna remind you later because even Jesus knows you're not really getting what I'm saying right now, but... Once it all goes down, you're gonna get it. But when I think about the disciples and their perspective, when we read these words of Jesus and the disciples are hearing them, I want you to picture, picture like a child whose parent has like two different jobs to make ends meet. And the child perceives some like weightiness on the parent's face, but the child doesn't know what a mortgage is, doesn't know what utilities are, doesn't understand really what's going on. They can just tell the parent is doing some important things. That's kind of the disciples in this moment. Does that make sense? Like kind of understand, okay. Here's what Jesus is gonna say. As he thinks about the future for the disciples, this is what he has for them. He says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. 
But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If you're taking notes and you want to title this teaching, I, just, I, put, I wrote down, uh, trouble around you, comma, peace within you. Trouble around you, peace within you. If you listen to our podcast, that probably won't be the title. I'll think of something better and more concise. Anyway, um, all right, so I want to start with trouble around you. So I want to be clear. Jesus makes a pretty stout promise. He promises peace. But he's not promising like a peace that's like ignorant to how hard life can be. So I don't know if you've ever been on Instagram and scroll past a pastor who was dressed really nice and had really good teeth and started talking about the peace of God, but in a really smiley way, in a way that made you squint your eyes out of skepticism and go, you know life's hard, right? Because it seems like you don't know that when you're telling me about the peace of Jesus. So you ever, have you ever had those kind of conversations where someone talks about peace in a way that almost feels trite and trivial and like unaware of like, you know, small things like sickness, death, and war, you know, like those things where it just feels impersonal. It's like, hey, when you talk about the peace of Jesus, like it just feels like almost detached from reality, like so rooted in heaven that it forgot about earth. I belabored the point. You get it. I don't see a lot of head nods, but I think you've seen this. All right. Thank you. Um, when Jesus talks about peace, we need to understand that he's firmly aware of trouble. When he says, don't let your hearts be troubled, he understands that our lives face trouble, okay? So just a few minutes later in John 16, same conversation, same red letters, verse 33, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. So when Jesus talks about peace, he's not aloof. He knows about trouble. In fact, Isaiah 53, verses four through five, they prophesy the kind of trouble that Jesus will know. It says, Surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Scripture just anticipating Jesus getting here goes, man, Jesus is going to suffer more trouble than any of us would know. In fact, he's gonna, he's gonna suffer trouble that we should have suffered, but he will suffer it in our sake. He will know inconvenience. He will know pain. He will know suffering. He will know betrayal. Before he was even arrested, his life was threatened countless times. He had to dodge town before people could find him. One of his best friends, John the Baptist, was murdered while Jesus was on earth. And you know it affects him because he immediately tries to get on a boat and sail away from the people. People end up stalking him and finding him anyway. Then he has compassion on him. It's quite the miracle. But anyway, Jesus was brokenhearted. He was carrying the stress. One of his closest friends is going to betray his life for money. Jesus knows trouble. And this is one of the most, the most powerful components that we have in the gospel story. If we hear the promise of peace from Jesus without knowing that he faced more trouble than we could ever face, that peace isn't that meaningful. But when we know who's saying it, when we see Christmas declarations of peace on earth and understand the one promising that peace has seen trouble, 
more trouble than we'll ever see this on this side of heaven and on the other side of heaven, <laughs> on both sides of heaven. He's seen more trouble than we'll ever see. This is like a veteran soldier talking to a soldier in training and telling war stories. I don't know if you've ever talked to someone who you really respect, who you see as someone who's been through similar things and come out on the other side stronger and you look at them and you just respect them. Whenever they're doing something, you watch them, you pay attention to them, you look up to them because they just know more about the thing you care about. They're the husband you hope you become. They're the wife you hope you become. That's what's happening. When Jesus said, like, you don't have to let your hearts be troubled, the disciples would have been like, seriously? You can go through what you've been through and you don't have to have trouble. And then he says, the Holy Spirit's gonna remind you later too. So the disciples are gonna watch Jesus get arrested, stand before trial and stay completely quiet. He's gonna have this calm in his eyes that they're not gonna understand. On the cross, as the people he loves so much are gonna be mocking him, telling him like, tell us who hit you. Like, tell us who did all this. If you're God, like, tell us what's really going on. And the whole time they're gonna see this peace in Jesus saying, Father, forgive. When the Holy Spirit reminds them of the peace that Jesus walked in, they're gonna be like, whoa, that peace is different because I know Jesus and he knew trouble. He knew what trouble was. So first, trouble around you. But what Jesus is promising here is it doesn't have to equal trouble within you. So let's transition to peace within you. Oh, I need water. I got water, I got fire all by my laptop. Y'all pray. That's tough. All right. Verse 27 says, my peace I give to you. This is so hard to even like talk through. I feel like on Monday and Tuesday, I read that. I got lit. I was really excited. I was like, man, I can't wait to preach on this. And the whole week, I was like, I don't know how to explain that. Jesus, here, I'm just gonna tell you what's happening. Jesus is offering a direct transfer of the peace in him, 0% interest, transferred fully to your heart. Jesus is saying, the actual peace that I'm walking with, you can have it. Not a JV piece, not a second string piece, not a backup generator. Full-blown, real thing. The peace I am walking with, you can walk with. This peace is so profound that you need to look no further than the exact story we're covering to realize how robust it really is. Because Jesus is hours away from death and what's he doing right now? He's talking to his best friends and making sure they're gonna be okay when he dies. Y'all, think about it. That's peace. I don't know what it's like to know when you're gonna die. I don't know what someone thinks about when they know they're gonna die. If it was me, it's probably not other people's peace, right? I, what God took me to is maybe a little bit funny and maybe a little bit of a shallow image, but I thought about when I have to give blood Whenever someone is putting the little rubber bit thing around my, thing, my arm, right, and the vein's about to pop up, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not thinking about my wife and how awesome she is and praying for her day at work. Believe it or not, I'm not praying about you. I'm not praying for our church or praying for the people around me. All I'm thinking about is that is gonna hurt. It is. And I've given my blood several times, but I know for a fact 
this is gonna really hurt. And I, my hands start to sweat. And I'm like, please, no, please, no, please, no, please, no, until it happens. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't that bad. Please don't hurt when they pull it out and they pull it out and it's over and it's fine. But my brain is only focused on the needle going into my vein. Does that make sense? That doesn't really even hurt. I want you to think about the mindset of Jesus, knowing he is about to face death, at part because one of his best friends is gonna betray him. And I want you to think about like being in his actual situation. Don't discard it because it's perfect Jesus. But like if you knew you were gonna face death, what has to be going on in your soul to begin speaking about peace for those around you? How at peace do you have to be within you to be facing death and to be promising the people around you, this is what it will look like. I mean, this is the moment that Jesus institutes communion. He's like preaching sermons. It's like, man, when you take the bread, remember my body. When you take the cup, remember my blood that I'm going to shed in a matter of hours for you. Like ask God, God, what kind of peace do you have to have to give this kind of a conversation hours away from your own death? I mean, this is actually like that Philippians 4 I will give you a peace that surpasses understanding. That's the peace we're talking about. So when Jesus says, my peace I give to you, this is like stout, heaven-level peace that is offered to people. And I just, church, this peace, before we get into like practical stuff, which I don't even know how practical we can get here, but this is the peace that is available, one, to you, like child of God, for anyone that, that follows Jesus, this is for you, and church, this is the peace that marks the body of Christ and makes us so different. If you read 1 Peter, Peter's gonna talk about this peace. This is the kind of peace that changes the soul. Like people come to believe in God when they see this peace demonstrated. This is where we realize we don't worry the same. Like the peace of Jesus promises that we don't comment section the same. We don't repost the same. We don't hurry the same. We don't seek control and power and certainty the same. Like we don't even grieve the same. When Christ is the good shepherd, he leads us beside green pastures and still waters. Think about what kind of environment you have to be in to have green pastures and still waters. Think about how quiet and calm that has to be. And Jesus goes, this is available for your soul. Like on Tuesday at eight in the morning, when you're not a morning person and your boss is stressing you out, there is peace available in that moment. For those still grieving a loss and every time Christmas comes around, everyone else seems to have moved on, but you're still stuck with it. God wants to bring peace and hug you and mourn with you while bringing you peace while the tears shed. For those anxious about next year, you keep hearing everyone talk about, I just need the new year. And you're just like, I don't even want the new year. If 2022 is half of 21, I can't do it. Like God wants to speak peace into your life. For those worried about their marriage, worried about their kids, worried about if you're gonna get married, man, God wants to speak peace into your life. And I believe it's available. But the hardest part about talking about peace of God in this Christmas season, that's aware of trouble, that, that recognizes trouble around but doesn't have to have trouble within. The hardest part here for me is getting practical. I don't know about you, but when I start talking about peace like this, does it not kind of meet unbelief a little bit? 
Like it's nice to like kind of escape and think about the peace of God, but then when you come back to reality and think about your real life, like what are you left with? As asking God, just thinking about, man, what does it look like for us as a church family to step into this peace? Man, the first thing that I want to, I would just have you write this down. Believe it. Just believe that this peace is available. And I'm not saying like 100% believe it. That's a lot to ask for some of you like me. But I think about the man's prayer whose daughter was passing away. And to Jesus says, Jesus, I believe. And it has exclamation points. He's like exclaiming it. Jesus, I do believe. But then he follows it up. What does he say next? Help my unbelief. Like in front of God, he goes, God, I believe. I believe this is available. But help my unbelief. And I would just encourage you, if you want the peace of God, like as you start right now thinking about Christmas, what that's gonna look like. And already you're anticipating, you're, you're strategizing, you're planning for stress. That may be smart for the record. You know, have good expectations. But as you think about it, man, talk to God. God, I believe I can have peace in this holiday season. That peace on earth does not just have to be a catchphrase in a nativity scene or a direct quote from the angel declaring the the birth of Jesus. But that can be a peace that resonates in my heart. I can have this peace. I was thinking about this story. Now, this is kind of an extreme story, but bear with me. Have you ever heard of Horatio and Anna Spafford? You know who they are? Do you know who they are? You know who Horatio is, all right. I think more than you might actually know who this is. But in the 1800s, this really awful thing happened to Horatio and Anna Spafford. They lost their four daughters to shipwreck. Really terrible story. I I know I just like took us to a really dark place really fast. But I want you to know this. They were Christians. And when he and his wife, they passed by the place of the accident, like right after it happened, he had these song lyrics sweep across his heart and he wrote it down in his diary. He wrote this, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, who can finish it? It is well with my, it is well. You know what I'm saying? Man, that song to me was just a traditional classic slow church song that was like, you know, meh for me, middle of the road, it's fine, it was good. When I learned how that, sort, how that song was penned, it changed the game for me. That peace that surpasses understanding, that peace that joins you in the midst of tragedy and doesn't yank you out of the tragedy. It sits right there and it hugs you and it cries with you and it writes words. And I'm not sure where their level of belief was or how well it was with his soul as he wrote those words, but I know he probably meant it. I'm sure a lot of things were in that place at once. But this is the kind of peace that is available. And I, I struggle with that story because it's so extreme, right? It feels it's so outlandish. But man, I know that some of you, you've lost loved ones. I have. And I hope that maybe you can look back in moments and go, in moments where peace shouldn't have been there, peace was there. And use those stories to spur you back into belief again. God, you really do offer a peace that surpasses understanding. So my first word of encouragement for you in this season that's marked by peace is just try to believe it and sit with God and ask him to help you believe it more. Take God at his word. Say, Jesus, I trust you. You give me your peace, 100%.
Number two, I would encourage, if you want peace in this season, this will not shock you, stay close to God, right? Like stay close to God. I started thinking about like peaceful people help you feel at peace and stressful people help you feel stressed, don't they? Is that not true? Like you got certain people that whenever you're wore out, you're like, I gotta call this person. One of my guys is here right now. His name's Kyle. If I'm stressed, I need to call Kyle. Kyle's got peace, man. More often than not, when I call that guy, he brings me peace. In the same way, like God does not just have peace. God is peace. God is peace manifested. His Holy Spirit just is a spirit of peace. And the more we seek to be in God's presence and around the things of God, I promise you, the more readily accessible his peace will be. Before Jesus gets to this part, go to the very beginning of chapter 14 and just start reading. And all he's gonna talk about is how he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's gonna talk about if you love me, obey what I'm saying. Jesus being the good rabbi he is knows if you will stick close to me, remember what I've said and live into what I've said as I have lived, you will have the peace that I have. So there's something about staying close to scripture, staying close to worship, staying close to the presence of God that makes peace readily available. Does that make sense? So think about your December and just ask something simple. How am I gonna stay close to the presence of God in this December? All right, last thing I have. This is so anecdotal that it hurts, but here we go. Let God and community help you in times of trouble. Like this is so basic that I didn't even know how to name it. Other, it's basically just tell your friends and tell God, all right? But I heard this story. I was talking to, to one of my pastor friends this week, actually, and I was talking about peace. And I, literally I asked him, I was like, man, how do you get practical with peace? That's so meta. Like what, I'm really wanting to like help our church and whatever. But like, I don't know, man, other than telling them to pray, but that seems too easy. That's definitely one of them though. But he told me that he had house church on Wednesday night. Here's the anecdote. And a guy walked in and the first thing he said, no segue, just walked in. Everyone's like settling into the living room. You know, it's house church time. And he walks in and goes, hey y'all, I'm sorry. I've been having some anxiety attacks. My wife's about to be here and I just need to like go to a back room and just like sit with her for a little bit. I'm like, okay, that's great. Wife shows up, to go to the back room. And they come out and they've prayed together and he just comes out and says, I'm sorry that this has happened anxiety has just been a part of my life. And me and my wife are actively learning how to like walk with God in this. And so we just prayed and I'm, I'm doing better. I don't think it's like over. I'm probably gonna be anxious again, but we're growing. And they as a house church just encourage them like, man, that's awesome. Like, thanks for telling us that. Like, let, however we can support you. Like, we'll pray for you now. We understand this isn't over with. Like, it's all good. And, and they just very peacefully and practically just talked about it, prayed about it. And the next morning, he sent a text to the, the house church leader, who's the pastor friend I talked to, and was just like, man, I can't explain how like not a big deal it was to have trouble in my life and to just be able to say it out loud. And everyone didn't freak out and have like a four-hour prayer ministry going, is it gone yet? Is it gone yet? Is it gone yet? You know? But they also didn't ignore it. They prayed over it. They said, we love you. We're here with you. Let us know. However, we can walk with you. And I thought that was such a good picture, like practically, of how daily it can look to just access and receive the peace of Jesus. Man, if you have trouble in your life, name it. Don't suppress it. Don't ignore it. Name it with God. Tell God, like today, where is there trouble? Or where, like when you're, ocean, when you're on the ocean and you can see a storm in the distance, where do you see trouble coming? 
and you're just anticipating it. I'm about to see the in-laws. It's about to go down, <laughs> like for sure, you know? I don't know why in-laws get so much hate though. Love y'all in-laws. Y'all do so good for us. We love you. Anyway, where is trouble in your life? Name it and talk to God about it. And if you need help talking to God about trouble in your life, start thumbing through the Psalms. Find some writers that know how to talk about trouble. But also I would encourage you, like today, think about calling a friend and going, look, I've never tried this before, but here's some trouble in my life. Can you be praying for me? And no pressure, but can we just pray over the phone right now? And then can you just check in with me a few days from now or a few weeks from now? And will you just know that this is not a thing that's gonna be solved super soon? But throughout the year, can we just keep touching base on this thing and just walk with God and community? There is no better place to start this kind of approach than right here where you are. You're in church, we have to listen. That's like a rule here, you know what I mean? If you've got trouble in your life and you need peace, like we have to pray for you here. And not only that, but just in case you weren't sure, I was joking, we want to. We wanna care for you. And so maybe this is the first place where you routinely go, when I'm here and there is trouble on my heart, no matter how deep it is, like, man, I'm dealing with loss and sadness, or if it's something that feels shallow and trite, like I really need to get this class plugged into my spring schedule or I'm gonna lose it. I'm not gonna graduate, classic. Whatever it is, share it here and go to God with your community. And so I wanna start us off by just practicing this. And so right now I'm gonna dismiss this to communion and I would just invite you to share, man, where's one area of trouble in your life? And what's something you're gonna do to just bring it before the Lord? And maybe consider sharing it with someone in your circle. And if you don't wanna do that, just say pass and that's totally fine. But take communion together. And as you take communion, remember, Man, the body and the blood are the ultimate gifts of peace from Jesus. Jesus died. He took on the burden of sin so that we could be free, so that we could do things like take on his peace in our souls. So as you talk about your trouble and pray for one another, receive communion, receive the peace of Jesus this morning. Okay, so let's go ahead and stand. We can dismiss. Grab communion. It's in, I think, three corners of the room, but grab communion. Circle up in groups of three to five.